Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Modern Nonprofit Fundraiser Podcast. We interview the top nonprofit fundraisers and marketers in order to provide you with practical insights for increasing generosity. You can learn more by going to virtuouscrm.com. And now, let's turn it over to our host. Hey, everybody, this is Gabe. Um, Welcome to the podcast. Today, I am pleased to have Stephen Boudreaux of Raise Donors on the podcast. Uh, Steven's a co-founder of Ascendio, is a software development company and Raise Donors, an online giving platform. Uh, I've known Steven for a while. He's obsessive about uh, fundraising strategy, especially digital fundraising strategy and helping nonprofits succeed. He's a big design and UX guru um, and loves the aesthetic and story that come along with giving. The other interesting thing about Steven is he's actually played in a couple bands. He has a history as a musician. So rather than jump right into the fundraising, why don't we start with that, Steven? First of all, welcome to the podcast. And second, uh, tell me a little bit about your life as a rock star. (laughs) Thanks, Gabe. I forgot that you were going to bring that up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, since I was a wee lad, I've been playing the guitar. my dad played guitar or plays guitar. And, um, you know, when you pick up a guitar, you eventually decide that you want to play guitar with other people. And uh, usually that is a path of ruin and destruction because <laughs> most people don't play instruments very well. Um, so, you know, in high school, I, I basically just played with friends. And in college, I, I was in, in, a, in a few bands, but once I was a full-grown adult out living on my own, you know, you can start to afford better equipment and, <laughs> and do, do, uh, do more reckless things with your life. And so I was in a variety of bands, but um, one of which uh, was relatively successful. And it, it is actually, it relates back to fundraising in some ways and maybe even, you know, uh, software development. There's that moment when you start going to shows and people you don't know start showing up and knowing your songs and knowing who you are. Um, it's kind of like, you know, when you start a nonprofit, you start getting donations that aren't from your mom or your <laughs> aunt and uncle. Like, you're like, hey, this, this is happening. You know, people are actually getting behind what we're doing. And so that was, that was fun. Um, but in the end, it, it, was just, it was just a hobby. That's great. Yeah. Well, and, and I think the, the lesson there is, is nonprofits usually aren't completely self-destructive. Usually when you're in that band and you get to the pivotal moment where you're actually making it that's exactly the point where people start making bad decisions and sabotaging everything. So hopefully that's where the metaphor breaks down. <laughs> yes. That's, that's, that's an appropriate way to, to segue out of this conversation. <laughs> Great. Okay. So I, like, I'd love to hear a little bit more of the backstory and I'd love for our listeners to hear the backstory about kind of raised donors in general, how you got there and then how you got interested kind of in fundraising and technology to begin with. Okay. Well, going back, what we were just saying, when I, when I got out of college, uh, I graduated and, and uh, did not have a job. I moved um, from College Station, Texas to, to Dallas, Texas. You got Maggie's. <laughs> my, my wife and I, well, she was my girlfriend at the time. We met at A&M, and she was here going to law school in Dallas. So I, I just moved here with nothing but dreams. But uh, I ended up getting a job with a nonprofit. And I was a, I was a young web designer. And my first task was essentially, we need you to redesign our website. Now, I knew a lot about building websites at that point, but 
not a lot about how nonprofits work and um, how everything works together and, and even just the concept of fundraising and, and that, that impacting the bottom line versus just selling products. You know, you're asking people to give to your mission. And so that was really what first exposed me to the thinking behind nonprofits um, and also just the processes and the challenges. And it, it's not always just A to B to C. In, in nonprofits, it's like you have all the letters dumped on you at once and you have to sort of organize them in a way that, that everyone can read. So from there, I, um, I, I started Ascendio with my business partner, Chris. And we, he had also come out of the nonprofit space. And so when, you're, when you've got that background, it's a great way to get in the door of, uh, of a lot of organizations. But really, it was at Ascendio where we started being exposed to the challenges across multiple organizations. And when I say challenges, it's the fundraising challenges. Uh, an organization might have a million dollars coming in through their website, but it's completely disconnected from everything else they're doing. And so they, especially back in you know the early 2000s, sometimes revenue wouldn't even be recorded. They're almost like, well, what are we doing on the web? Oh, we're actually making money on the web or well, what's going on? And so when we started to learn how to connect the web to all their other systems, we really started growing. And, you know, it was out of that knowledge and building platforms and tools around that um, that raised donors came about. That's great. I love that. So kind of, you know, working at a nonprofit, building websites and fundraising pages to starting a, a software design development company that's, that's doing those sorts of fundraising platforms for nonprofits. And then to finally building your own tool raised donors. That is the, mm -hmm. that is the platform, right? So, um, so now what's your day-to-day -day life? So I, you know, you've probably gone from kind of in the weeds, I'm assuming, to a level higher. But tell me what your day-to-day is like right now at Race Owners. That's a great question. Um, the day-to-day tasks are really more sales-oriented, you know, introducing people to the product, leading online demos, creating content around how to use Race Owners, uh, how to become a better fundraiser. You know, really, it, that's, that is the day-to-day, -day, but really the the thing that's always the through line, and this is for true for Chris and I both, because Chris and I also founded Race Donors together. You know, the real nucleus of what we're doing is shaping the path of, you know, what's next for Race Donors. We're always thinking about what's next, what's next. And it's not always just a new feature or a new integration or finding and removing bugs, training people. That, that, that is important, and it actually exposes a lot of things to us. We're always having our eye on, like, what's the next thing we do? How's fundraising going to change? And how can raised owners really be more than just a utility, you know, but, and also a guide? Because that's, that's, that's the vision. That's the thing that we, we want more than anything is for raised owners to help you be a better fundraiser. Yeah. So the tool has to always work. It always has to be on, on the cutting edge of what's happening in fundraising. But the thing that's never going to change is that people always need to be learning how to do what they're doing better. Mm. That's great. No, I love that. And I, love, and I see that focus too, um, as I've interacted with you guys, uh, just the consistent learning and improvement and, and just baking that into your culture. Um, so, uh, you know, as you have worked with, you know, one nonprofit and then, you know, tens with Ascendio and now, you know, hundreds or however many customers you guys have with raised donors. Mm -hmm. um, I know that you've seen a lot, you've been in the trenches a lot. 
what are the what are some of the things you've learned? What are some of the most common mistakes that you see people making when when dealing with online fundraising? Mm-hmm. What are kind of you know the top three take home lessons that you can kind of provide for our listeners? Okay, um, well, a real simple one that I see really often is uh, just really not giving anyone a motivation to give to your organization. Just they assume if you hit, like even, even if you have raised donors and let's say in this conversation, we're assuming that's a fantastic online giving experience. <laughs> but even if you have raised donors and you just have a donate button and I hit donate or I, from my website or an email and I just get there and there's the form. Like it's, it's so common because a lot of times the web is an afterthought for so many of these organizations. You need to give that value, that, that motivation, the incentive, like this is what you're a part of. So that's, that's, you know, that's messaging. You know, another common mistake is just having all these disconnected services. Just, okay, well, we're going to have a donation form with raised donors, uh, but we're just going to take that information and, and dump it into a spreadsheet. You know, so they're kind of cutting a bigger system, like Virtuous, you know, out of the mix. So if I looked up Stephen Boudreau and I, yeah, how involved is he with our organization? There's really, that that is missing from so many organizations. And that leads to, Number three, but I, I guess it's the biggest thing I see is that they have no concept of how they're doing. And what I mean by that is, are we doing well or are we doing poorly? No one really knows how to answer that question at a lot of organizations. It's really, well, we survived. We met our numbers. Or we're in a deficit and we pulled out of it. It's always kind of this survival mode mentality. Mm. And so you're not really stopping to say, well, are we doing well? Because if we're not, we should figure out how to do well. It's just not knowing how to answer that question effectively. Uh, it would never be tolerated in the for-profit space, but in the nonprofit space, you're, you're just always kind of in this survival mode that you'd forget that that answer is vital to being able to move your cause forward. Because the cause isn't that the nonprofit survives. It's that you do what you set out to do. Yeah. Well, that's great. I, um, talk a little bit because I, I want people to have handles on that. I know we both have some mutual friends over at next after that have a, sort of a flux capacitor of giving idea that they use, mm-hmm. right? This magic trifecta, it, which has to do with things like um, how much people give, you know, um, and if they're ongoing givers and, and all of these kind of things that you want to look um, mm-hmm. look at. Uh, but kind of walk me through what, what are the metrics people should care about? How do I know, like, you know, how do I know if I'm getting the right performance out of my online giving experience? How do I know that that stacks up against other people? What, what should I be looking at? Yeah. So what you're referencing is the flux capacitor of online revenue maximization, <laughs> uh, which was coined by our friend, Tim Kuturiak at next after. And that's, uh, I, I remember even when Tim sort of developed this concept and we were at a restaurant one night and he was, he was telling me about it and, the thing I love about it is that it's so practical and we built raised donors kind of all around this. And that is there are three primary factors that affect how any nonprofit is doing, but we'll just speak specifically to online fundraising, although it relates all across the board, but that's the amount of traffic that people are coming to your website, uh, the average size of their donation and mm-hmm. the conversion rate. So you can think of those three things. If you have a hundred visitors, and uh, 10 of them convert and the average gift is $50 and you, you get, you get an output there. So if you start thinking of those three numbers, 
and you started wondering, well, what if our average gift size went from $10 to $11? You know, what would that mean to our organization? Because if everything else stays the same, then we're going up. So from the web, it, the web is the ultimate laboratory because you have this, this thing, this website, these pages that people are constantly visiting you. There's, there's sort of this, this fun aspect to it that you can conduct an experiment and immediately start seeing people respond to it. It's, it's not like direct mail where you mail something and you have to wait, you know, a, a month or, or weeks for yeah. things to happen. With the web, things happen instantly. So that's, you know, that's a big thing that nonprofits should look at, whether they're using raised donors or not. Like, just find a baseline. Find a way to start measuring those numbers. And then the bigger thing, and this is what I'm talking about, how are we doing? How are we doing? Are we doing well? Are we doing poorly? Start experimenting against those numbers mm. because then you can start to find patterns, start finding trends. Not only are you learning more about your donors and becoming a better fundraiser, but you're starting to see, hey, we're doing well or we're doing poorly. We need to really think about this. Like, now you have a, a method to answer that question. Whereas before it was just like, I think we're doing okay. We have jobs still. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I love that. I love that way of thinking. Um, I don't typically plug our website during uh, these kind of deals, but we do have a webinar that, that Next After did about using the web as, as a living laboratory for testing the, the stuff that you just talked about. So if you're interested in learning more, virtualcrm.com, look for a webinar from Next After, and it'll kind of flesh out the stuff Stephen just talked about because it really is um, – it's critical that you understand those. It's critical that you understand how they work together. And that the fun part is when you start turning knobs and experimenting and you realize, man, if I increase average gift size and traffic, mm-hmm. it actually has this huge multiplying effect on giving. And, and your ability to experiment really fast on the web and make those improvements is, is magical uh, if you know what you're doing. So um, it's worth checking out. Uh, so a little bit more just kind of on um, – I know a lot of people love you guys as, as platform. I know a lot of it. The reason they love it is because you you're actually a practitioner of a lot of stuff you're talking about, which is experimentation and continuous improvement. Um, but, but from your perspective, kind of what's you guys secret sauce. Um, I, there's a lot of players out there in the online giving space. What makes you guys special? And even if you have a couple of stories about that to help illustrate, it'd be great. Yeah. Um, so I think there's a combination I have a lot of things. Um, if you ask, you know, how do we help people be more successful? What's the secret sauce? Well, the thing about success and growth is that so much of it is relative and relative to where you are now, where you're willing to go, what you want to do. So um, it's fantastic to be able to go in and just dramatically transform an organization when they are just, they need so much help, but it's different when somebody is really performing, um, I think if you start talking about the factors that make raised donors an interesting group to work with, uh, one is, you know, for the past 15 years, we, on the Ascendio side, we've been working with nonprofits. So we speak their language. We know how to relate to them. Um, so I find, I find that I'll oftentimes just in demos that I'm able to anticipate what they're asking for. There's a certain comfort. If you just want to talk about from a sales standpoint, that's a great way to get gain trust, gain that, that thing that, uh, it's kind of hard to put your finger on. But I always tell people at its core, raise donors, you know, if you're just going to call it a utility, it, it spits up donation pages for you. You can have as many wonderful donation pages as you want, but the real value comes in the integrations and the way we're able to transform your entire process. 
And so as I was talking about, it's all relative. Uh, a common story I talk about is we worked with this organization and everything they did was manual. This is a, a relatively uh, sizable organization. And, you know, they're taking orders online and they're printing them out and inputting them into their system. Store orders come in. Like everything is just being printed out and submitted by hand through a process. So when you can come in and just start automating something as simple as, well, we're going to take their name and email from this form and put them into a MailChimp or Constant Contact. Okay, well, we're going to take all this data and we're going to put it into your CRM system. And all this used to be done by a human being typing and doing this and sometimes even uh, receiving something a week or two weeks after the gift was made. Now all of this is automated in real time as it's happening. We ended up automating out 40 hours a week. So a week, 40 hours, an entire person's job was then taken and automated out. And so when I was talking to them, this was, this was actually about a year after um, they had launched with us. He's, he's telling me all this. He says, you know what we did? We had all this free time um, that we were, we were using to do these manual processes. We put the people who were doing that job and we had them start calling our donors. Wow. Their lapse donors. They said, show me everyone, because now they had all their data in the CRM system. They were like, show me everyone that hasn't given a gift in two years. And let's call all of them. And so they called them and they didn't ask for a gift. They were just like, hey, we just wanted to see how you're doing. Uh, we're here to support you. And they started doing that two years out, a year and a half out, a year out, nine months, six months, people who hadn't given a gift in three months. And this ended up generating hundreds of thousands of dollars new donations without That's them even amazing. asking for it, just because now they had time to focus on their mission and not this manual task that has really nothing to do with what they're really all about. So that, I think that's a great story. And I think that's part of the secret sauce is just, yeah, you can bring technology in, but you got to understand how to apply it. You got to know what a fundraiser is dealing with on the day-to-day -day basis. And everyone on our team understands that. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I, I love the, the efficiencies of good technology, just uh, the time savings, getting rid of manual junk that you just see so often in nonprofits. But the other, the other big thing there is just organizational wide data transparency. You know, mm -hmm. so many folks that we work with have these like just disintegrated systems. Data is all over the place. And so they, you know, it's not just that there's a lot of manual time wasting. It's that people have no visibility into their data. They, they can't see clearly even who a lapsed donor is um, quickly yeah. in a way that somebody could call on them. So, well, and they don't have visibility into the cost either because they're just thinking, well, we're getting it done, but you're not thinking about what you are missing out on right. in exchange for that time. You could be doing other things that are more valuable. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. I love that. Um, well, thanks. I mean, this has been super helpful. I usually end here with a couple of kind of quick fire questions, uh, if you don't mind, just to sure. hear what you think about. So, so the, the first one that I always love to ask, because I like to read, is what are the books that you've read or book in the last year or two that have had the biggest influence on you? <laughs> All right. Um, well, one thing you need to know about me is that I have uh, an obsession with audiobooks and podcasts like I'm always listening so yes. some people like to laugh at me and say I'm not really reading but I think it counts as reading I'm going through the book aren't I <laughs> so one, this, this one might seem silly but in the past couple of years since I got my audible subscription the book that has had the biggest impact on me and I, I don't mean like it's changed my life but it just stayed with me and as I went through it it was a the comedian Martin Short 
he wrote an autobiography called I Must Say My Life as a Humble Comedy Legend. And uh, so he, he reads the book and he just, he just tells his life story and his career. And I, I didn't know much about him other than I thought he was really funny in like, Three Amigos. But the story really impacted me. I mean, I, I, it, was, it, was, uh, it, was, it was almost like a caricature. I laughed. And I cried, you know, I really, I had to pull over once because I was weeping. The book, <laughs> the book was really funny, but it was also very touching. And he gives a lot of wisdom about how he was raised, the lessons he learned. And I, I, I was surprised by how much uh, I was moved by that book. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I love that. You guys, hilarious. Some of the stuff, the Canadian uh, TV, uh, was SCTV stuff that he used to do. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, gosh, it was like some of the the funniest sketch kind of comedy stuff that you'll ever see. It holds up over time. I love that guy. He's, he's an ageless one or two. He's like 115 years old and he's still <laughs> 42. It's amazing. Um, yeah. Oh, that's great. I love that recommendation. I need to go check that one out. So, yeah. okay, great book. So uh, any, any podcast, I'll even give you permission to do your favorite, you know, over the wire sort of Netflix streaming series, if you prefer that. But <laughs> no, no, no. Podcast is where I spend <laughs> when I, when I, whenever I have a free second, I always have my headphones in and I'm listening. Mm-hmm. So what are, what are you doing right now? Uh, well, there's a podcast called The Moth. If you ever heard of it. I love The Moth. Storytelling. It's great. Yes. Yeah. So people just get up and, and they usually have a theme on the show, but people just tell stories from their lives. And it's really well curated. But I, this, uh, this thing, The Moth, has been going on for you know 20 plus years. So I, I absolutely devour those the moment they come out i love that podcast uh probably one of the most popular podcasts but also for a good reason is this american life this is yep. one i love and, and i have i have a bunch of others but i mean those those are the ones that it's just like i cannot miss it if the moment they come on they're listened to yeah no, those are both those are both amazing i actually learned about the moth through this american life because i'll occasionally tell moth stories on this american <laughs> life so I, i'm right there with you with those i don't know what it is about that loop, little group of guys from NPR, I think a lot of them are Chicago guys. I know Ira Glass is, but they've been able to crank out some amazing podcast content, whether it's um, S-Town. I've had to force myself to unsubscribe to podcasts I enjoy just because it <laughs> starts taking up so much of my life. It's like, all right, all right, I got to live outside of these headphones. <laughs> I love it. Well, that was it. That's all I had. It's been a pleasure talking with you as always. Um, congratulations mm-hmm. on your success at Raise Donors. It's been fun watching you guys on this ride. And um, yeah, thanks again for joining us. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Gabe. I appreciate it. To learn more or to subscribe to the Modern Nonprofit Fundraiser podcast, visit virtuouscrm.com.